Hi Haunted Heart fans, I'm Quill and I'm one of the co-creators of the Tarot Reading. If you're in DC, I've got an experience for you. The Tarot Reading is an interactive variety show performing May 9th through the 26th and I guarantee you have never seen anything like it. In it, eclectic artists perform variety show acts, each inspired by the tarot mythos. Each act is interactive and made for one adventurous and consenting audience member. What happens next can be almost anything. We've done seances, belly dances, mad science experiments, stand-up routines, role-playing games, gestalt dream analysis, and that weird one involving a suitcase full of spam, just to name a few. Each one is always completely honest, totally amazing, and never happens the same way twice. So, if you believe in the magic that happens in unexpected places, please come experience the tarot reading. That's May 9th through the 26th in DC. You can find out more at thetarotreading.org. That's the tarot, T-A-R-O-T, reading.org. Don't forget to bring a sacrifice. I'm serious, I won't let you in without a sacrifice. goes nothing We're really yeah seriously nothing <laughs> <laughs> truer words could not have been spoken it's kind of an aesthetic at this point you, you think it's so an art form i think we're developing it. i think we're pioneering the art form i just heard pies, <sighs> pies. that's literally all i heard was pies pies, pies? I found out about a boozy pie shop that's opening in austin Apparently, okay. sometime soon. I don't know what it's called, but if you Google Boozy Pie Shop Austin, um, you will you will see it. It is, uh, and see, I thought it was a place that sold pie and also, like, was a bar so that you could, like, eat pie, drink Make, Makes sense, yeah. Right, like, Dangerously Delicious Pies in D.C., where yes. we had our first live show. Um, however, it's actually, the one in Austin, like, it's pies that are made with booze ah so it's like a bourbon pecan pie they had a blueberry basil uh limoncello fucking pie and i was like so you can just get fucking get in drunk here. af on pie i think when you cook alcohol it loses the alcoholiness but depending on i don't think you cook pie that much you definitely right that's what i'm saying might be. and then also like you have fruits blueberries like it has to absorb the alcohol yeah so, I don't know. I, get back to us on it. If we have any listeners in Austin, go to this fucking boozy pie shop, get the blueberry basil limoncello fucking pie, and let me know how it is. You know we do. Let me know if you get drunk. You know Big T is all about us. You know yeah. we love the Big T. Tex- Texas loves that. Big T. Big testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We uh, do love tea, actually. Both of us do. That is very, <laughs> very yeah. true. So... How's it been, guys? It's been a minute. Uh, it's been a week um, <laughs> since we've been it's with been you last. Minute. It's been a week, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, lots can happen in a, in seven days. It's true. Um, What's-her-face can come out of some more, can come out of the fucking, like, 
well mm-hmm. and drag your soul to hell. The It Chapter 2 uh, trailer. Samara? Fucking Samara. Samara. I said Samara. 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 But the It Chapter 2 um, trailer. Very good. Was released. One of Amazing. the best scenes. One of the best written scenes in the book. Yeah, I mean, unless 13-year-old I... gangbangs are your thing. <laughs> Hopefully they're not. <laughs> if they are your thing, go ahead and check yourself into a facility. Do us all a favor. Get just help. Get a, get a full workup done. I just feel like Jessica Chastain was like the perfect, perfect cast. For sure. I, I mean, but I cast her right after I saw the first one. And I, and I heard, well, I, I mean, I kind of knew too because I read the book before I... Um, Watched it, and obviously I've seen the other ones, but I knew that we were going to have adult versions of these kids. Yeah. And the minute that I saw um, the like child version, I was like, she grows up to be Jessica Chastain. I'm mm-hmm. excited about Bill Hader because I have a fucking burning white hot sexual infatuation with Bill Hader. With Bill Hader? With Bill motherfucking Hader. If you have never seen, do yourself a fucking favor and Google Bill Hader Tauntaun impression and just have a great time. I'm going to do that after the episode. He is such a proto-nerd. I fucking love him. He is so, he's wildly attractive to me and I don't, I don't know why in every way, but I'm just letting you know, Bill Hader. Hey. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for you. Are you on his LinkedIn already? I'm here to appreciate you. I don't think he has a LinkedIn. <laughs> I think he's too famous for LinkedIn, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, we have a uh, an invocation uh, this week. We do. Another we have one. business. Another one. Another one. Another one. Y'all keeping us on that DJ Khaled flow. Another one. But not on the DJ Khaled, I don't eat pussy flow. Cause That's true. That's fucked up. And this guy's coming from someone who doesn't eat pussy. <laughs> Maybe you're on that flow. <laughs> nah, it's nah, some bullshit right nah. there. I, I feel the same way Nicki Minaj feels about that shit. <laughs> ain't no fat boy telling me what he ain't eating. That's true. That is very true. You better so, take this. So who are we... Uh, invoking today we are invoking our brand new cannibal cult member emily r Mm. so we oh go ahead no i was just gonna say yet again another cannibal cult member another y'all i'm gonna tell you what y'all some hungry motherfuckers y'all ain't dj college (laughs) y'all all all about eating people aren't you yeah (laughs) so you guys know the drill We have a candle that we have dressed with health, wealth, and happiness just for Emily R. As a way to welcome her to our Haunted Heart family and to say thank you so much for her generosity on the Patreon. We will light the candle. It will sit by our mics through the end of the episode, but always and forever in our dark, dark hearts. So let's get a move on, shall we? Mm Mm-hmm. And there we go. A little mm. bit of ASMR for you. No, now please don't, please, please put the fire out. Katie, Katie. I'm going to put it out. Okay. It's fine. Okay. I feel like that'd be bad vibes oh though if Emily R's uh, candle burned our fucking home down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be some bad You know juju. what though? I, I feel like that's where we're headed. 
Maybe. One but day. it won't be Emily R's fault <laughs> or any of our beautiful Patreons. Now, if you are interested in an invocation on the show or any of the fabulous Patreon benefits that you get from being a member of our Patreon, a.k.a. The Heathen Temple, mm-hmm. you can head on over to patreon.com slash the haunted heart and check it the fuck out. <laughs> How about that? I love it. How Very professional. 100%. On brand. Definitely on brand. Um, no, so I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about um, the tarot reading. So I know you've heard uh, their promo at the top of our episodes for um, you know the past uh, few episodes. So I, Katie and I actually uh, went to their opening night um, and had an amazing time. It was such a truly unique experience. Um, And for me personally, I just felt it was very thought-provoking, but it was also like it kind of hit the nail on the head for me, like as far as some things that I've been working through, um, which was really interesting for me because for those of you who don't know, I do consider myself a novice tarot reader. Um, And it just sort of harkened back to, like, a personal reading that I would have done for myself. Right. Um, and I just had a really great time. Uh, and it was amazing getting to witness other people's, um, what do they call them? Um, oh, gosh. I want to um, call it, like, a revelation, but I don't think it was. I'm not sure what the word is that they There's use. a word. There's a specific word for each individual one, but I can't think of it right now. All I can think of is a revelation because that's kind of how it felt from the experience. So you can go and you can um, either get a ticket to be a witness, which means you sit in the audience and you kind of watch what's happening. You watch Mm -hmm. the performances. You um, kind of experience it um, as a a witness, as somebody who's looking on. Um, And then there are seeker tickets um, where if you – sign up to be a a seeker and you indicate that when you purchase a ticket to the show, then you actually get to participate in the different like movements of the show. And you're kind of, you, you are on stage as much as there is a stage you're in the performance space. Um, and you kind of get to experience it with the performer kind of in the moment. It's very cool. Um, if you're the type of person who gets a little freaked out at participation and shit like that and audience participation, it's not, what you think it will be. I would challenge um, folks, if you are in the D.C. area, it's at Anacostia Arts Center. Um, I would highly encourage all of our local people to check it out because it is very cool. I guarantee you, you will not have seen anything like this um, before. It it will be a totally new and fresh experience for you. Yeah, and um, also it's different every show too because you have different people and it is called they are called revelations they are called revelations yeah Yeah, they are called revelations okay well Um, they're aptly named because that's how it felt (laughs) it did it did feel like a revelation so each um each show is going to be unique um according to you know your own experience and um it was just a lot of fun and it was just something different and fresh and yeah, like it was just a really good time. I think everybody should check it out. And I think we actually had two um, Haunted Heart fans. We did. Um, uh, show up. So yes. thank you guys for showing up. 100% showing, showing up and showing out. Representing. Yes. Representing. 
Um, so you do have a little bit more time to see the show. It runs through May 25th. Um, tickets are between seven and twenty-one dollars, depending on how involved you want to be. Um, it runs Thursday through Saturday evenings at seven thirty. There's also a Saturday matinee at two, and then there's a Sunday evening show at five, and that is at the Anacostia Arts Center in DC. Um, if you do want to go, you have to bring a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and you can read more about that on the Tarot Reading website. And that's all we have to say about it because we don't want to give anything away. But we wholeheartedly encourage you guys to go. We are not paid to promote the show. It's I, I know some of the folks who are involved. Um, they're very dear to me. But I would not tell you to go see the show if we didn't sincerely believe that it would be um, a revelation of sorts for you. Yeah, totally. So definitely go do that. It's worth your time. Go see yeah. live theater. Totally. Specifically this live theater. So... So, I think that's housekeeping. I do believe that's all of the housekeeping. We've done dusted, um, dusted the, the the furniture and swept the floors, and I think it's time Knock to get them into some shit. Out the corners. Get into some shit. And what we, are we, talking about? we oh, have sorry. got some shit for you this week. So this week, um, I've been looking at this story for a really long time. It's a, it's something that I wanted to discuss on the show um we've had it on our kind of like ideas list or topics list or whatever for a really long time but I was having significant trouble trying to figure out how to fit this fucking thing into a theme because you know we love our themes here we do we do we're we're a theme party (laughs) yes we love a theme a theme helps us stay organized it helps us you know set the mood Mm -hmm. we're party Um, people that's what happens this is what happens when party planners have a podcast this is true it becomes a theme yeah especially when one of those is a raging homosexual (laughs) yeah (laughs) the other one and actually raging like literally raging (laughs) raging not like (laughs) <laughs> extreme but like literally the definition of rage aggressively <laughs> like i have to take pills no i'm kidding <laughs> um yeah so i i had this case on my list for a really long time but i just couldn't find a theme to work it in with because it just wasn't anything that i tried to kind of work it in with just felt really kitschy mm. um and kenny had a hell of a week so i was like let me just cover this case and we'll talk about it Um, Because this is a case that some of you may know, um, some of you may not know. For those of you who do not know, um, it is a a really unfortunate story, but it is interesting, I think, from a psychological perspective. Um, So we're kind of going to approach it that way. I will go ahead and give trigger warnings up top if you have um, any sort of issues with Um, sexual abuse, uh, rape, um, torture, uh, confinement, anything like that, um, this is going to be a tough story for you. So trigger warning up top, we're going to deal with some of those subjects. They do come into play in this case. And if you need to tap out, all good. Just fast forward. We'll give you a stay spooky sign off at the end and we'll be all good. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. But for those of you who decide not to skip, we're going to talk about the girl in the box. Have you heard of the girl in the box case? Um, I don't. I I, I believe so. 
Okay. I, I'm, I, I think so. I want to say yes. <laughs> Very definitive. <laughs> <laughs> Poss- maybe, possibly, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. But maybe. Excellent. I'm surprised that it actually doesn't get more coverage than it has had. Um, a lot of the super popular true crime podcasts I don't believe have covered this case. I could be completely wrong, and I probably am pretty wrong. Um, but I don't hear this one talked about as often as we hear some other cases. Um, but I think it's fascinating in a really dark, horrible way. Um, but it's also very sad. So it's the story of Colleen J. Stan. So Colleen was born on December 31st in 1956 in Eugene, Oregon. And she lived there with her parents for 20 years. And then on May 19th, 1977, Colleen was hitchhiking from her home in Eugene, Oregon to a friend's home in Northern California to attend a birthday party. Now... Back in the 70s, people made questionable fucking decisions. Uh, you think? I'm looking at you, chubby shorts for men. No, those I'm are I'm looking that... at you, Burt Reynolds mustache. No, I'm going to tell you what. Sidebar. <laughs> I know we're getting into some to some heavy topics. Immediate but, sidebar. But immediate sidebar. I was walking through the mall and saw a chubby shorts store. A store? A, a whole store, store with nothing but chubby shorts with in it? With nothing but chubby chubby shorts. Yes. Horrible. Horrendous. Disgusting. I went in immediately. <laughs> Did you try anything on? No. Horrible. Oh, you should have tried something on and Horrible. sent me pictures. Absolutely loved it, though. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. No. Horrible, also, someone it. came in and asked me for a member, if, uh, if we carried members-only jackets, and I was like, sir... It's been a while. <laughs> where have you been, darling? Sir, let me take you to where the members only. <laughs> oh, my. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. No, here's my, my thing with chubby shorts. Um, the short shorts that they used to wear in the 70s, if you have no idea what we're talking about when we say chubbies. Um, we're not talking about fat people because we love fat people. Um, we yes, are. we do. Fat people. We, we are of the fat people variety. <laughs> yes. No, chubbies were like super short shorts that people wore in the 70s for some reason. I'm almost certain that they were invented by a homosexual with a fucking vendetta. <laughs> Specifically against like preppy men in the South. Me in the 70s. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to design the most fucking homoerotic thing that you can think of. And I'm going to market it specifically to straight, white, upper class Southern males. Mm-hmm. And, and, it it, still, and it fucking worked. And it still rings true today. What do you, who do you see in Chubby's? Fucking straight bros, man. Yep. It's straight bros on the DL, though, most of the time. On the DL. Yeah. <laughs> on that DL. On Aren't that, all of us kind of on various levels of the DL, though? Think about it. I'm just on various levels of hell at this moment. <laughs> so, I think, is there a difference? I don't know. Y'all let me know. So, anyway, Anywho, back getting to back to Colleen. So, uh,. It's the 70s. People hitchhike. Um, it was a thing kind of everywhere, but particularly in the Pacific Northwest. Colleen apparently hitchhiked really often, and she considered herself to be a um, good judge of character when it came to 
hitchhiking, right? So um, she's trying to get to this friend's home in Northern California to attend this birthday party. And she actually lets two other cars go past um, because they were men. Like there was one car in particular, um, I've watched a, quite a few interviews with her. Um, and she mentioned that there was a car that was full of like five guys and they were, you know, kind of rowdy, just, you know, what you would imagine. She's like, they were a little bit rowdy and they were like, oh, mm. get in, you know, we'll take you wherever you want to go. We'll take you wherever you want to go. <laughs> and she's like, are you going to take me no. to five guys? Because <laughs> that's where I want to go. hundred <laughs> percent. Burgers and fries, babe. <laughs> um, Burgers and fries before you get these thighs. hundred <laughs> percent. Hundred percent. Um, so she she waved them on, and you know didn't think that she she said she just didn't think that that was a good idea, right? So she's not being dumb about it, right? Um, but after kind of waving those folks on, she accepts a ride from twenty three year old Cameron Hooker. She said that she felt comfortable getting into Hooker's blue van because his wife, 19-year-old Janice Hooker, and their baby were in the car as well. So it's a whole family. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking, okay, like, I'm safe. She did that thing that women do, um, myself included. I've also been guilty of this when I was younger before I became a fucking freak of nature who studied so much fucking true crime that I don't trust any goddamn body anymore. I don't even trust Kenny. Yeah, that's true. And he's sitting across from me. Um, and he's had plenty of opportunities to kill me in the past 10 years. You're right. But he's playing that fucking long game and I know it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, she saw a woman in the car and a baby, even a baby. Like, yeah. I feel like nowadays we're kind of, we don't trust women either. Like that whole thing has been fucking broken somewhat. Um, but if there's a fucking baby in the car, like, I don't know that I would even be discerning enough to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Right. Um, so it's this whole family. She gets in the car. They're fine. Um, they actually stopped at a gas station shortly afterwards and Colleen went inside to use the restroom and she had that thing that we all have when we're doing something, when we put ourselves in a position of danger. She had that like instinctual, she described it in interviews as maybe like the voice of God or the voice of an angel or whatever. But she said that she heard this voice that was telling her to run and jump out of a window and never look back. But there was really no reason. She couldn't put a reason to it. She didn't really know why she was kind of like weirded out or freaked out or anything. Um, So ultimately she, you know, pulled herself together, calmed down and went back to the car. And I don't know if like maybe she left her purse in the car and she was like, look, I can't just be a crazy person running around without a purse. I can't leave all my shit in their car. Like I need to like get myself together. I'm just being irrational, whatever, all that shit that we tell ourselves. But when that, when that instinctual, voice or vibe or whatever rises in you there's a fucking reason Mm -hmm. please listen to it yeah because if it turns out that later the person was totally fine and you're just a crazy person who jumped out a window and ran away then whatever at least you're an alive crazy person who jumped out of a window and ran away right yeah totally like be crazy don't give a fuck (laughs) what people think about you sometimes you just gotta be crazy and that's fine because the vast majority of people don't fucking matter. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're in a job interview, Not, maybe, yeah. Yeah, no. maybe don't <laughs> do that. Maybe don't jump out of the window. But if that person doesn't control your money or your happiness, fuck them. Who gives a shit if they think you're crazy? Anywho. Um, Colleen did the thing where she said, I'm being irrational. Let me calm down, chill out. And she went back to the car. Um, once they, you know, take off down the road, still headed towards Northern California. Um, and once the traffic kind of thins out, um, Cameron Hooker pulls off the highway and then puts a knife to Colleen's throat. Mm. Um, and then he puts what has been referred to as a head box over her head. And it was this 20-pound thing that was on hinges that opened up that he placed over her head that was designed to prevent light, sound, and fresh air from entering. Holy shit. And then he drives home to their house, basically. Um, when they get home, uh, the head box is removed Colleen is blindfolded still, and she's led downstairs to a cellar where she was tied to the ceiling by her wrists, and then she was beaten, electrocuted, whipped, and burned. She would spend the better part of the next seven years this way, from 1977 to 1984, living as a prisoner and sex slave of Cameron and Janice Hooker. What do you, what do you even, like, what do you even say, like, seven years? Yeah. Yes. Seven years. So, uh, prior to Colleen's kidnapping, Cameron Hooker, a lumber worker at Diamond International Lumber Mill, had reached an agreement um, and this is this is one of the weirdest parts of the case. This like weird social contract between between Cameron Hooker and Janice Hooker. And there's a lot of backstory here. Um, Janice Hooker, when they met, uh, was very, 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 very sheltered. Uh, apparently, as a child, she had had some form of epilepsy. I don't know how severe it was because I never heard it mentioned. Um, as a, an issue for her as an adult. But as a child, she struggled with that, and I think that may have caused her parents to become overprotective. She couldn't wear, like, bikinis. She couldn't date boys. She couldn't even wear shorts. And we're talking, like, California. Like, it's fucking California hot. in the 70s. Right. At that. It's, or, it's, well, right. probably before that. Though. And she wasn't even allowed to wear shorts. Um, so... We're talking severely sheltered. She meets Cameron Hooker. Um, he... Asks her, in fact, when he first asked her out, um, one of the FBI agents who profiled the case um, was telling a story that when when Cameron first asked Janice out, she told him that he would have to get permission from her parents because she wasn't allowed to date boys. And he actually went to her parents' house and talked her parents into allowing him to date her. And then they ended up getting married. Um but the thing about Cameron is that Cameron had uh, some issues around sex, um, particularly of the sadomasochistic kind. Mm. Um, and this happens every time we profile or every time you come across a case that involves sadomasochistic fantasies or somebody having um, fantasies about um, 
you know, tying people up and torturing them and shit like that, it always gets tied into BDSM. And a lot of times on some of the, particularly the older documentaries, they almost, they term sadomasochistic, um, extreme sadomasochistic behavior as BDSM, and that's not correct. Um, so BDSM is a consensual, um, both, both parties consenting to engaging in bondage play. The word play is really important. It's used a lot in the BDSM community. The word play reinforces the idea that it's two people or more people, however many people. Yeah. But everybody's consenting and we're playing a game. You may be restrained, but you are restrained as an element of the game. Yeah, and I think that even even so, like, it, there are certain... Um, there are certain levels, because, like, for example, I watched a, a video um, on Facebook, so you know it was great, mm. um, where you ha- had a couple who um, were sort of profiled for, like, a series on extreme love, where it was sort of like a 24-7, like, um, slave and master type situation between right. the two. Right. Uh, the master would sometimes, like, you know, hit her or whatever, but it was all consensual um right and she used it as sort of like she had some issues with um her body and like uh eating disorders and it she it was sort of able to help her cope with certain things and so almost sort of like therapy for her in a way the thing about bdsm i mean like y'all know which mother gets down but the thing about bdsm is it's not people people see People who are not part of that counterculture see it as something that's about aggression, that's about violence, Mm -hmm. that's about, you know, torture or whatever, however far you want to take that thought. But it's 100% not about that. It's absolutely about consent. And it's absolutely about respect. And it's absolutely about knowing exactly and having specific conversations to understand exactly where limitations are and then play within those boundaries and kind of explore different, you know, different things. But it's built on a foundation of consent. Yeah. And the person who's actually in control is the is the submissive. Is the submissive. They because set the, the rules. minute that they the minute anything the minute that the dominant party senses anything amiss in the submissive, usually there's a safe word, things like that. But even I mean if it's a good dom, even if there's like one muscle flinches wrong and it's done. That's it. Right. Totally pull the plug. Like that's it. And um I think a lot of times when we have these Psychopaths who are interested in things of that nature, they're not they're not um, focused on the consent part of things. No. They're not focused on the um They're not there to the take play. care of the They're there to hurt sub. someone. Yeah. And in the BDSM community, those people are sussed out really quickly and then they're blackballed. That's yeah. it. Like you don't nobody fucks with you anymore because that's not what they're about. Right. Um so I I I feel like that was a little bit of a tangent, but I felt like it was it's really important to me to clarify that in cases like this because so often, especially on out of date documentaries, you see BDSM, the things that we're gonna talk about in this case, referred to as like being some 
growth out of BDSM or whatever. And I just want to clearly establish that like BDSM is something totally different yeah, it's and imp- totally safe yeah. and totally fine and yeah. groovy. Yeah. It's important to acknowledge the differences. Right. So, um, unfortunately Cameron Hooker was a motherfucker, um, who didn't give a rat's ass about consent and in fact got off on non-consensual sexual activity. Um, so he was working at Diamond International Lumber Mill um, and he basically reached an agreement with Janice, his wife. Um, Janice wanted to have kids, right? And Cameron wanted to act out his crazy sadomasochistic sexual fantasies. And he was basically using Janice at that point to act those things out. So he was, you know, stringing Janice up by her wrists and beating her and then, you know, having sex with her and whatever. Um, And that wasn't really something that she was into anymore. She wanted to have kids. She wanted to have a family. So he gets her to agree to this agreement um, under which he would be allowed to, she would be allowed to have children. They could have a family. Mm -hmm. Um, But he would be allowed to capture and keep a sex slave to take her place. Specifically enacting out his um, sadomasochistic fantasies. Um, Initially, there was supposed to be no penetrative sex with um, the sex slave. But of course, after Colleen was kidnapped um, and forced to take that role, um, that changed. Um, Initially, Colleen would be beaten And then she would be forced to watch Janice and Cameron have sex with each other after they'd abused her. Um, Actually, on the first night of her kidnapping, um, when she was strung up by her hands and physically attacked by Cameron, um, she was blindfolded for all of that, but then they took the blindfold off and and had sex underneath her after having beaten her. Um, Sometime after the kidnapping, uh, the Hooker family moved into a mobile home, at which point Colleen was, instead of being kept in the cellar, um, she was kept locked in a box for 23 hours a day under the couple's waterbed until she was given a contract and forced to sign herself into slavery for life in January of 1978. And the box is described in multiple sources as Mm coffin-like. Um, I, I did find some pictures. I'm not really sure if that is the actual box or like a recreation. Um, it wasn't really clear. Um, but it was very small, fit right up under her bed. Um, she couldn't move. She couldn't really make any sound. She had to lay perfectly still in this box for like up to 23 hours a day. Fuck. Yeah. Um, the couple's... So the the couple ended up having, Cameron and Janice ended up having two daughters um, who didn't realize that Colleen was being kept against her will and, in fact, didn't even know she was living in the house. For an hour or two a day, um, Colleen would, would clean the house. She'd be let out of the box to clean the house and babysit the kids. But the kids thought that she came over. They didn't realize that she was Holy being kept shit. in a box underneath their parents' bed. I, I I have no no words. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in 
view from the box underneath the bed, propped up against her purse. Uh, Colleen told um, ABC News in an interview was a photo that she saw every single day of a woman whose name was Marie Elizabeth Spanicky. And Spanicky was a previous victim whose body was never found. Um, she further stated that Cameron led her to believe that she was being watched by a large, powerful organization called The Company, which clearly he's not a creative fuck, is he? The Company. The Company, um, which would painfully torture her and harm her family if she tried to escape. Um, she subsequently became referred to as Kay, and she was forced to call Cameron Master and was not allowed to talk without specific permission from him. Um, he supposedly wanted, he supposedly had read um, a book. I've never read it. Um, it was a 1954 French erotic novel called The Story of O, which I've, I've never read. Um, but apparently he became obsessed with that, with that novel before he started kind of engaging in all this, and his, his dream was to have her be just like the female character in that novel. Um, and, of course, the whole agreement about there being no penetrative sex quickly fell by the wayside, and he began raping her orally. Um, and he, he had this weird hang-up about having, like, about having, like, vaginal sex with her because he felt like that would be cheating on his wife. I, so instead, he raped her vaginally and anally with toys, with implements. I, yeah. There's I, a lot what, of weird lines drawn in places like, that maybe we should draw the line at consent. I, I, instead. I, uh, totally. Maybe. Uh, a thousand percent. I just can't even wrap my mind around someone who would have a thought process like this. Ridiculous. Yeah. So Colleen said that her faith in God and belief in a chance of escape helped her to survive. Her greatest fear was the company, um, this entity which Cameron reinforced daily. Um, To avoid painful punishments, she tried to comply with all of his commandments which later led to her uh, getting more freedom. She was allowed to go out and jog to, like, work in the yard and help with garden work outside. Um, She was allowed to care for the family's children in the mobile home and even help them build bigger accommodations. Basically, it was an underground dungeon for more slaves because his Cameron Hooker's dream was to build this out into, you know, more slaves. In your mobile home? I don't know. Maybe you should focus on getting a fucking job and getting your God-blessed house that ain't got wheels on it. I mean, I don't judge nobody, baby. Mobile home is fucking freedom. I'm into that. But if your dream is to have a fucking cellar full of women, I need you to get up and get out and get moving, babe. Was it a mobile home or was it a trailer? It was called a mobile home in the the multiple sources that I uh, referenced. Okay, I'm wondering if it's one but of those, But you know how like, some people don't understand, and it could it could be a trailer. I'm wondering if it's one of those, like, tin, silver-type deals. Yeah. Like, vintage. That's like, what I imagine, because it's, like, 70s, 80s-type yeah. vibe. Yeah. Where, where the fuck He's just fucking a digging a hole underneath the fucking mobile. <laughs> Everybody can fuck? see. Like, and I don't even know how you would hide, like, a whole human in a box... 
in a trailer like for seven years for seven years but i digress um so basically um even with an open door neighbors and a telephone at her disposal colleen made no attempt to escape um because of her fear of the company hurting herself or her family and a lot of people don't understand that about this case they they they're shocked at or they have trouble believing that she could have basically open doors at some points during captivity and not run away, not leave, not get out. Right. Why would you not? But the the thing that people don't take into into consideration when they think about things like that is like your mind's not working right. You're well, you're being kept in a fucking box underneath a bed, first of all, in the darkness, and that that level of isolation. That's why um, solitary confinement is almost like borderline cruel and unusual punishment because the human mind is not made to do that. That just being alone in a space with no sensory input at all will break our mind. Um, For most people, add not on me. top of that, add on top of that, massive physical abuse, extreme part, yeah. sexual assault, extreme psychological manipulation mm-hmm. and torture, and and then just the just the fact alone that like one day she was you know hitchhiking headed to a friend's birthday party, and the next day she was strung up in some fucking psychopath's base, basement or cellar or whatever as a sex slave and being kept in a wooden box 23 hours a day. Like, reality is so broken that, like, if you could go from a normal existence to that, then why wouldn't it be logical that there could be some entity called the company who is, like, out to ruin your fucking life? Like, right. That could be totally possible right. in that frame of mind. So I think... When we look at any case that has to do with kidnapping or somebody who has been held um, against their will, you have to understand, especially if assault is involved, you're not looking at the situation through the same lens that they were looking at the situation through when they were living through it. Right. So your opinion is invalid. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And we can go ahead and expand that to uh, all forms of fucking assault. That if you didn't live through it, and if you weren't there, your opinion is invalid. Yeah. You don't get to have an opinion. Yep. Um, so, remarkably, um, this is the situation. Um, her good behavior, quote unquote, actually convinced uh, Cameron Hooker to allow Colleen to visit her family by herself in 1981. What the fuck? She did visit her her family by herself in 1981. She didn't reveal her situation due to fear of the possible consequences, a.k.a. the company. Uh, her family thought at the time that she may have been involved in a cult because of her homemade clothes, her lack of money, um, and the absence of communication over the years. But they didn't want to pressure her. You know, they hadn't heard from her in quite a few years and three or four years. And so, you know, they didn't want to put pressure on her and then 
have it result in her staying away from the family forever. Because, of course, in their mind, she's staying away from them because she chose to. Right, 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 right. Um, What does that say about this guy and his confidence mm -hmm. and, like, the fact that he has completely manipulated her to the point where he will let her go freely back to her parents? Right. I'm sure he got off on that. I'm sure he got off on that on on that whole idea. But it doesn't say too much about his confidence because, you know, he, he is a piece of shit. The next day, he actually showed up with Colleen for a second visit to her family and posed as her boyfriend. Mm. Um, and there's actually a photo of Colleen Stan and Cameron Hooker together that her parents took. And they're both smiling and they look happy, um, and it was taken during that visit. And Colleen said later, um, she explained at the trial, that she was happy, she was so happy about visiting her family and seeing her family that she was able to take a photograph there with him, happy and smiling together, because she was so happy to have seen her family again. Wow. Yeah. Can you fucking imagine? That? No. Yeah. No, I can't. So, uh, according to Colleen, though, following the visits to her family, uh, Cameron Hooker had a change of heart. He feared that he had given her too much freedom, and when he took her back to his mobile home, her punishments and torture became way more severe. He locked her back in the wooden box underneath the waterbed and kept her there for 23 hours a day for the next three years. Shit. Her bodily functions were dealt with by her using a bedpan, which she positioned under herself with her feet because she couldn't maneuver in the box very well. Um, It was stated in court that uh, his children were actually told that Kay, their babysitter, who they, you know, knew to be the woman who comes over and babysits us, had gone home. Um, But once the kids had gone to bed, he would take her out of the box to feed her and torture her. And she was reportedly not allowed to make any noise. She had to lie perfectly still in the box 23 hours at a time in the dark with very little air to breathe. And remember, we're in Northern California, so it does get hot. And during the summers, temperatures inside the box could rise to over 100 degrees. Fuck. So it wasn't until 1983 that Colleen was reintroduced to the Hooker children and the neighbors. And that was when, you know, again, things kind of eased up a little bit, comparatively, um, and she was allowed to get a job as a maid at a motel. She was allowed to work outside the home. Oh. Um, And at this point, it seems like Hooker had a, Cameron Hooker had a different, um, his, his vision kind of shifted a little bit, and he announced that he wanted Colleen to become his second wife. Okay. Like, it's all chill. Okay. We just, you know. All right. I've just been keeping you in a box. Sure. Now, yeah. But will you marry now, me? Can I put a ring on it? No. Yeah. No, sir. Um, but, of course, who would this be a problem for? This is a problem well, for Janice. I was going to say, maybe his his actual wife. Wife number one. 
So uh, when he announces that he wants Colleen to become his second wife, Janice um, reaches a turning point. Um, She said uh, she, at that point, um, started struggling with herself. I, I don't... Janice is really tough for me in this story because it's like, okay, you were fine with everything until we reached the point of, you know, she was going to be even with you. She was going to be a wife as well. And that's when you started having problems. Yeah, like we just didn't think that this was an issue. I don't know. When your fucking husband came up to you and asked you if you wanted to, if if you would let him fucking kidnap somebody and fucking rape them and fucking torture them and do horrible, disgusting things to them. Now this is your fucking limit. But we have to remember that the same, in some in some sense, the same dynamics are at play to a degree with Janice. You know, she had also been tortured. She she was the sex slave prior to Colleen. Mm, okay. um, she had also been tortured. She'd also been brainwashed and referred to as a whore over the years by Cameron. Um, she said that she survived their relationship by engaging in denial and compartmentalization. Okay. Um, however, by August of 1984, Janice um, actually went to Colleen in order to inform her that Hooker was, in fact, not part of the company. She did maintain that the organization existed, but just said that Cameron Hooker was not part of it. Okay. And that turned out to be all Colleen needed. Um, After that confession from Janice, she went to a bus station and phoned Hooker to inform him that she was leaving him. She said he reacted by bursting into tears. He begged her to come back. She subsequently caught a bus home. And in the months that followed, she didn't contact the police, but she continued to call Cameron Hooker regularly. And she said that um, at the trial, she said that she did this because she wanted to give him, um, at Janice's request, a chance to change, to reform his behavior. I mean, fuck that. hundred <laughs> percent. No, fuck that. This, there's so much about this case that's interesting from a psychological perspective, but this in particular is interesting to me because... When you listen to the interviews, when you listen to Colleen telling this story, when you read the articles, it, this part all almost feels like a breakup. I, it feels yeah. like a breakup yeah. of a consensual relationship. Right. Like, you say that you're leaving, he's crying, you leave, you know, you're calling him regularly, and, like, you guys are, like, talking about things and mourning the relationship and blah, 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 blah. Someone's like, gaining 30 pounds, the <laughs> other one's getting uh, thinner, you know. That sort of thing. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Clearly, that's not, you know, one person has been captured and tortured and brutally abused. And, you know, at this at this stage in whatever this whole horrible abuse is, you know, Cameron Hooker's acting like a jilted lover. Um But three months later, uh, after Colleen left, Janice reported her husband to the police. Um, She informed Lieutenant Jerry Brown of the Red Bluff Police that Cameron had kidnapped, tortured, and murdered Marie Elizabeth Spinacki, um, who had disappeared on January 31st, 1976, which I guess was the first time they attempted this. Mm. Um, 
Authorities have been unable to locate Spinecki's remains to this day. So due to a lack of physical proof in that case, no murder charge was brought against Cameron Hooker. So Although never, we're pretty sure that he did it. But he never admitted to that? Never admitted to it. Okay. Not so far. Um, so Chris Hatcher, a forensic psychologist and criminal profiler, testified for Cameron's prosecution at the start of the 1985 trial. And Janice testified against her husband in exchange for full immunity, which she received. In the end, Hooker was sentenced to consecutive terms for sexual assaults, kidnapping, and using a knife in the process, and he received a total of 104 years of imprisonment. Um, He was originally ineligible for parole until 2023, but uh, California's elderly parole program, which I guess, like, if you're an old dirtbag, they just try to get you out of jail quicker so you can die a free (laughs) dirtbag. Um... (laughs) They actually were able to get his parole moved up to 2015. But on April 16th, 2015, his request for parole was denied, and he uh, won't be eligible again for another hearing until 2022. Mm. Declined. Canceled. Canceled. You have been. Canceled. Canceled. Sorry. Who? Don't know him. Don't know her. So Colleen suffered chronic back and shoulder pain as a result of her confinement um, throughout her life. Um, After the trial, she received extensive therapy, and this is my favorite part. Um, She got a ton of therapy. She studied for an accounting degree, um, and she tried to move on with a normal life, which is fucking awesome. Janice, um, who – or sorry, Colleen also joined and volunteered for uh, the Reading Women's Refuge Center, which is an organization that helps abused women. Um, Janice retook her maiden name, became Janice Lashley, and became a registered associate social worker and has also worked as a mental health professional. Um, Both Janice and Colleen have um, continued to live in California, and they don't communicate with each other. Well, I mean... I think it's probably best for both of them. Yeah. Not to. Yeah. Um, for both of their, you know, their mental health sakes. Yeah. Um, and um, the reason that I asked if you had heard of this particular case is because this case um, inspired the main plot of uh, the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Film. Oh shit! That was based on this Kate. Oh case. shit! And I know you okay. like that one. <laughs> I don't know about like. Um, I don't know about like. Uh, no, I do. I do like it. Well, Sorry, I'm just really it. full of. <laughs> we're just really full He's of. Like, I just want to say that I'm not a psychopath. Um. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Actually, it was interesting because as you were like telling the story, I kind of like thought i was like right oh i was kind of like i was kind of having flashbacks to the poughkeepsie tapes um so that's interesting i didn't even like research like i didn't research that or anything like that it just i didn't research anything um, <laughs> no <laughs> not at all uh, i'm just here raw and unfiltered <laughs> like honey for you Okay, now that everyone's officially weirded out. Um, the Poughkeepsie Tapes is a very interesting film. Um, 
I would definitely recommend checking it out. It is like found footage style. Um, mm-hmm. There are some parallels um, I can see to the story. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, um, Colleen's case inspired. Uh... So this is something that I wanted to, I actually kind of want to bring this up because we had it like in our, um, Netflix and Kill, where we watched uh, the movie Mercy Black, and it related to, or you know, they drew inspiration from the um, case, the a real the life case, case. Um, and where you also have this, where you have a movie like the Poughkeepsie Tapes that draws, inf- you know, that took inspiration um, from this. The difference that i can see between the two because i'm pretty sure there might be some people that might call us out for liking one film and then not the other because it's kind of the same but um i think the poughkeepsie tapes is far enough um removed yeah it's not a play-by-play it's not a a play-by-play like you say um there's more of like a a serial killer aspect to it yes there is like the sexual aspects but it's more um almost supernatural it's just a different level so i think while i got some inspiration or while i got some um some hints from it while you were talking to you about your story i don't it was far enough removed from it for it to like be okay and for it to still be a good fucking film because it is because it's creepy as fuck yeah. No, I think um, I think they kind of took some plot inspiration from the real life case, but they took it in a different direction and they, they didn't take it upon themselves to reorchestrate Colleen's story. No. Um, they didn't. Whereas I, I kind of felt like in Mercy Black, if you guys have listened to the Netflix and Kill that we did on on that film, it was literally a play by play of the crime and yeah. like some weird like retelling. Yeah. Cause then, that like, wasn't really cool. Yeah, because in the Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie tapes, it's the guy is like he wears a mask and it's like he walks around all fucking contorted and like really fucking creepy. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean we don't know. Cameron Hooker could have been doing that fucking shit too, but um, yeah, I think um, like you said, there wasn't they did enough with that film that it it wasn't literally the same exact story. Yeah. Um told in a way that's sympathetic to the abuser or perpetrator of the crime, which was my issue with Mercy Black. But, um, yeah, that's the story of Colleen Stan. And you can see there's a ton of free documentaries that we, you can watch on YouTube. Um, if you just search the girl in the box case, um, I kind of having done this story now, I kind of hate that it's called the girl in the box case because she's not a girl. Like the whole point And I think what I take from the story is, like, yes, she was psychologically manipulated. Yes, she was physically abused. Yes, she was sexually abused. And all of this horrible, horrible, awful shit happened to her at the hands of a man and a woman. Like, but she's not a girl in a box anymore. She's a woman being a badass, living her fucking life, doing her accounting like shit and and handling fucking business doing her and fuck that um her unfortunately her daughter has had some some issues uh with the law it hasn't been smooth sailing um for her and i think that that that's really unfortunate because i hate that that 
I hate that that kind of like weighs on the story of like, you know, the survivor, you know, getting out of the situation and being a fucking badass, but that's kind of fucking life. Yeah. Like, you know, like it almost makes her more authentic to me because she is just trying to live, you know? And right. um, I mean, you spent seven years the majority of that time in a box. Yeah. And to be able to, whereas for some people that would just completely right to even be able to function fucking remotely in society is a monumental achievement. And and she, and you can see her in those documentaries, you know, she tells her story straightforward. She fucking like, she's such a powerful grounding force in the way that she tells her story because she isn't, shrinking from it she's not hiding from it she doesn't she just is able to kind of own that story that that narrative in a way that you rarely see people who have been through extreme abuse of any kind it's rare to see them be able to do that yeah and i think colleen stan is very um well, it's hard to be able to Very accept it, that. and also, but also not deny it either. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I just commend anybody who's able to go through that. Yeah. Um, and and she recognize that they her. that they did, but at the same time, um, knows that that doesn't have any power, right, over them. Right. That she holds the power, and she is, and she is the one in control, not what may have happened to her right right yeah wow no it's very um she's a very powerful lady um if you listen to her kind of tell her story it's very it's very moving i would encourage um i would encourage you guys to check out interviews with her um because it is very um enlightening and it is very empowering even if you you know aren't necessarily the religious type um i think there's kind of some sort of conviction for everybody in that especially in a time when we're all worried about like stupid bullshit um not that it doesn't matter what's happening in the political system in the world at large but i feel like we get so torn up over that shit and social media helps with it because it's a fucking echo chamber of like how awful everything is and we just we get on facebook and post about how awful it is and then everybody else posts about how awful it awful it is and it's just this fucking echo chamber and we're all like preoccupied with our problems but the bottom line is that like you're not locked in a fucking box underneath a bed for 23 hours a day so like Get over it. Like, I'm not saying don't care about things that are happening, but like, if somebody, if a human being can overcome that, you can deal with whatever bullshit that you're dealing with. I'm going to make that my motivational uh, speech for the week ahead. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, seriously, she, people like that are amazing. There's another case um, of a survivor who um, was abducted and left on the side of the road, her, I I forget her name, but her, um, attacker chopped off both of her fucking arms and she crawled up an embankment to get to the road so that she could flag somebody down. Somebody finally stopped and she fucking survived and she's a badass. Like people 
who survive things like that. I mean, and obviously it's no one should have to go through that in the first place. But like I look at people like that and I'm like, okay, I don't really have real problems. Like (laughs) my problem is that Starbucks put too much fucking heavy cream in my coffee this morning, even (laughs) though they know that I like light cream and I selected light cream on the app. But like (laughs) I don't really have problems. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, just put it into perspective. Yeah, it definitely puts, it definitely puts things into perspective. So that's why I kind of wanted to tell Colleen's story and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully she can be somewhat of a beacon to people who have unfortunately had to deal with those types of things. Um, and I just want, and I also want to clarify, like things like this, I just don't want it to come across that, like, you have to go through these experiences to, understand that you are you know that strong like Mm -hmm. she was always right that strong right before this before any of that this did not it did not birth her strength i feel like that was always there right you don't have to go through and be traumatized in order to be you know, a strong right. female right. or be any of that, like that she was always that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she has a much louder voice mm-hmm. now to reach other people. Right. Right. So, so that's Colleen's story. Wow. That was a heavy one. It is. We it might was, have to very... throw up next, not throw, throw up next throw week. Up. <laughs> we no, no, I've done enough of that with the no. stomach flu. Please, I don't God, know why. no. I don't know why I said throw up. Oh, my God. Don't ever mention that ever no. again. No. No, we might have to, we won't have to lighten it up next week, which means I'm going to have to do some fucking research on something. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck my life. But you know no, what? No, you don't not, have real problems. I don't have real problems. You know what? <sighs> but you know what we're gonna i have a real problem with that that i just did I, I have noticed that it's kind of like an old man laugh that's like oh when you out trail of off yeah well, <laughs> well when it when it goes up <sighs> what is it why does it happen it, it came with age and i'm worried it's gonna get worse you're only in your 20s i know I know. That's. Not, I mean, that's my concern is that, like, when I'm in my 70s, it's going to be like, I'm going to laugh, and then I'm going to be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to, I'm the one turning 30, but again, I don't have problems. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a problem with turning 30, but I we'll might get have you a it. problem, but we'll see. We'll um, get you through it. You know what? We'll, we'll find out. Hey, we're doing a thing in July. We should tell them about the thing we're doing in oh, July. We are doing a thing in July. So we're going to be up in that windy shit. <laughs> <laughs> the windy city. That, 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 that's Chicago for, for people who don't understand my They kind of sound like you said that windy shitty. <laughs> that windy, I was kind of going for that because I think we did say that one time. Really? Windy oh, shitty. No. Um, Windy, ooh, that's a, ba- that's a bad combination, fam. I think your guy from the... Um, Not what you're looking for. I think your guy from the shit store would love that. <laughs> <laughs> from your What the Fuck Crimes episode. No, we're going to be up in that Chicago area um, at that True Crime Podcast Festival um, with other really awesome uh, podcasts there. Um, it'll be us, um, some other people, um, a paranormal chicks will be there as well. Um, and we're going to come up there. We'll probably have like, 
um, some merch with us and different things like that and have our own little setup. And it's going to be a fun, like, um, um, just a fun event. I know they've got a few, like, live tapings um, and some panels and stuff that's going on. But I do believe it is July, help me out here, Katie, 13th? Yeah. July 13th? Yes, I do believe it is July 13th. It will be at the... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Marriott downtown. Yes, it's the it's the Marriott, the Chicago Marriott downtown Magnificent Mile. Yes. Um, it'll be July 13th. Doors open at 9 a.m. and the official festival ends at 5 p.m. Um, when the official festival ends, that means we get to get that after party. Yeah, that's, that's what you're gonna come for. You will come to that after, after party. party. With the Who did that heart. song? Who was that? And after the party is that's, the hotel I want to say that's R. Kelly, uh, who is oh, also... I, I could be mistaken, but no, I believe I that's R. Kelly, be. who is also canceled. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, well, we're not going to pee on you. Um, I mean... No, we're actually we're not, not. going to be on you. I'm not. Even if it's even if you want it, I I'm sorry. That's not my thing. I'll hit you. Talk to me though. If you ask for a mic, it's not my thing. It's not really easy to like direct the stream. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're going to hang out with you guys after uh, the actual podcast festival ends at 5 p.m. We're going to do like a meetup somewhere in Chicago. So if you are in the Chicago area and you do want to hang out, let us know, and we will be at a local bar getting our drink on Bar. and we would love to shoot the shit with you guys in, uh, and there you up, go with your shit again. So if you are interested in getting tickets for the true crime podcast festival, you can go to TCPF2019.com. And that's T is in Tom C is in cat P is in Paul F is in fire 2019.com to get your tickets. That's C is in come. O is an <laughs> orgasm, and M is There's in no <laughs> com.com. Oh, C is in come, O is an orgasm, M is in... Call me mama. <laughs> that? Are you excited M about that mama movie? It's going to be a good one. Mama movie. Ma. Ma. Oh, yeah, yeah ma. ma. Yeah, we'll Ma's have to go see amazing. that one. We need to plan to go see that together. Mama's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> to like, mama. To mama. <laughs> All right, guys. So that is it for our episode this week. Um, we can't wait to see you next week with another episode that's hopefully going to be a little bit lighter and won't be so heavy. <laughs> we say that every week, though. In between Unless episodes, we want to fucking hit you with that heavy shit again, you don't never know, motherfucker. We might do it one, two, three, four times. It's our fucking show. <laughs> we'll do whatever the hell we want. I would prefer to keep our listeners alive and in good spirits. Um, if they in, in good between, spirits because they just listen to us. If in between episodes you want to keep up with us, follow us on the social medias for all of the bullshits. Instagram at The Haunted Heart Podcast, Twitter at The Haunted Heart, Facebook. You can search The Haunted Heart to stay up to date on all the news and events and join our closed group so that you can meet other Haunted Heart Podcast listeners because it is fun. And I understand that we're all fucking weird-ass introverts, but it really is fun to interact with each other on the closed Facebook group because everybody else is also a weird introvert. Yeah. Just like you. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to be alone together in a sense. Yes. And edit. <laughs> no, I'll leave that one in. Um, all right, oh God, so thank you no. guys. But I did the real laugh. I didn't do the uh, on-air laugh. <laughs> I did that laugh that I just do for you. For me. Yeah, so in the meantime, 
You know what you gotta do until the next appointed hour, darlings. You, you gotta stay spooky. spooky.